Welcome to another edition of the Sports Rotation. As always, I'm your host, Jay Butler. However, wherever you're listening, I appreciate you tuning in, whether it be through TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, Stitcher.com, the Sports Rotation.squarespace.com, which is my personal website, SoundCloud, or the newly affiliated iTunes Radio. You can check my podcast through uh, various different sources to be able to be enlightened through my content. That's right, enlightened. You can tell I think highly of myself. I have to because I doubt anybody else does. And I'm married. Anyway, I want to thank you for being in the rotation with me. You know, there's an old saying that says that preparation plus opportunity will lead to success. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but I do want to congratulate myself. I want to thank myself for continuing to work hard. And I I, I do believe that, you know, I'm not one to usually just try to blow myself up because I feel like whatever you do in life, you work hard for it. If you work hard for something, things are going to work out for you. I've never heard of somebody working hard and just things just always going wrong. If you keep grinding, things are going to happen. But you got to believe in yourself. You got to keep grinding. And uh, I just happened to be looking through Fansided's website. And I saw that they were looking for contributors. And this would have been the third time that I had applied for a contributing position with Fansided. And all two other times, obviously, I was turned down. But for this third time, after much work, after a lot of just laboring, and after a well-written article, I, I, I have to say, I have to think, they accepted my work. So I finally made it. I finally am on fan-sided as a contributor. I just had to make sure that I'm uh, working through the different programs and get through all of the drug testing I'm just joking. There's no drug testing involved, but uh, I do have to go through their program just to make sure that I'm fully aware of what's expected of me. And yeah, I made it. And, you know, it it, it got me to thinking with um, everything in life. I mean, you, you can't you can't hold yourself back. If there's something that you want, if there's something that you want to be successful with, you got to prepare for it. But you got to prepare for success. You got to prepare like you really want it. And I really wanted this and it worked out. And, um, you know, things can't only go to me. I think um, them for giving me this opportunity. I think my wife for believing in me. I thank God for the opportunity. I'm just very thankful right now. Um, a lot of stuff to get into. You know, I happen to be watching the Lakers game versus OKC, and it was really just a continuation of me um, being up a little bit later because, you know, I was tuning and watching the Celtics and the Cavs go at it, or rather watching the, the Celtics just totally thrash the Cavs. But I, I could only, when I was thinking about both of these games, the only thing that came to my mind really was show and tell. Like, this is what we have this is what we want to present to you. 
And in the Cavaliers-Celtics game, you know, I, I thought to myself, okay, this team, you had the horrific injury with Gordon Hayward. No one thought that this team was going to do anything of any relevance um, this year. The addition of Gordon Hayward didn't guarantee that they were on the same level as the Cavaliers, but it got them into the conversation. And then you have Gordon Hayward go down the first game, and then, you know, we know what happens after that. The Celtics rattle off a whole bunch of wins. Lo and behold, they're one of the top teams in the East, as for right now. And then you have the Cavaliers situation. They're waiting for Isaiah Thomas to get back. And he came back, and he was typical IT in the game versus the Portland Trailblazers. Although, you know, it's the Trailblazers, so big deal. But IT didn't play this game. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. And we know that um, he's going to play every other game. So you, you don't really know what you're going to get from this Cavaliers team. Probably for another uh, month and a half or so. Uh, once IT gets fully ingratiated within the offense. Uh, once you see him and LeBron playing off of each other. You'll, you'll get a better understanding of what it is to be expected. And, you know, just looking at this situation with the Los Angeles Lakers, Lonzo Ball is out his, what, seventh game now. You have a, a totally different lineup. You have Julius Randle, who was inserted into the lineup. But Lonzo Ball has been out, and they look like a totally different Lakers team. And all I could think about was show and tell. This is what we have to show you. For the case of the Celtics and the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers, to me, just in my own unjudgmental objective eyes, the Cavaliers look like an old team. Now, you can say that they were disinterested. You can say that Gigi just had an off night. But what I see is a team that everybody knows doesn't defend very well. Isaiah Thomas coming back is not going to solve those problems. They couldn't get after it defensively. They couldn't shut anybody down. They, the Celtics were just getting shot after shot after shot. That was open looks, by the way. And this is without Kyrie uh, having a good game. Kyrie looked disinterested in this game. I don't know what was going on between the, the, the two teams. Kyrie wasn't interested. Um... LeBron looked disinterested, and you know that the Cavaliers take their cue from whatever LeBron James does. If LeBron James is in the game, then the Cavaliers are going to put their best foot forward. If he's disengaged, the Cavaliers are going to be disengaged. But I, I, I looked at that team, and, you know, whatever you think as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, because IT is a big-time player. I don't want to get off of track with that. I don't want anybody to think that I think lightly of, of IT, Isaiah Thomas. But he is a scoring machine. And it is going to take some time for LeBron and, and IT to develop some chemistry with each other. Although, from what I saw with the Portland game, it looked like they had been playing with each other for a while. But it's still going to take some time for him to find his role within that offense. I get that. But the Cavaliers, they, you know, they do this to us year after year after year. We think to ourselves, oh, look, you know, they're not really engaged. They're not really into it. 
Uh, they're just holding themselves back until the playoffs start. Okay, maybe. But for tonight, they just look like a flat-out old team that couldn't defend anybody. They couldn't stop Jalen Brown from getting to the rack. Jason Tatum was getting his shot off easily. Terry Rozier. I mean, Boston looked, looked to me like a much deeper team than what the Cleveland Cavaliers have been showing. And everybody's been talking about Cleveland, how they have this tremendous bench, how this bench is probably the best bench in all of, of, of basketball. They even trump um, the Warriors bench. And the Warriors didn't even have much of a bench because so much has been front-loaded into their starting offense, their starting lineup, I should say. But I, 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 I just see a team that's old. Kyle Korver, you can't defend anybody. Dwayne Wade, you haven't defended anybody in a good five years. He was disinterested last year when he was playing in Chicago. Ironically enough, the last uh, time that we saw someone like Dwayne Wade get as embarrassed as he was on the court was playing against the Celtics last year. Defensively, liability. J.R. Smith, can't stop anybody. Tristan Thompson, arguably your best defensive, defensive player, the guy who can be a rim protector, can't get on the court because now you have, you have Kevin Love playing his particular position. So I don't even know how the dynamics of all of that fits in, but for what Cap the Cleveland Cavaliers need, Isaiah Thomas is not going to answer. So this version of show and tell did not go very well for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You guys are standing in the front of the class. Little Timmy just brought in his father to speak, who's a, a firefighter, who has regaled the class with all of the different uh, dramatic um, savings that he's had as a firefighter. He's told them all of these wonderful stories of people that he's been able to protect from numerous fires. And you guys come up with your father, who's an accountant. Show and tell. I, I, I just, I don't see how looking at this Cleveland Cavaliers team, the way that they are constructed presently, how are they going to stop anybody once they once they go to getting to uh, playing against the Warriors in the finals? And that's assuming that we we're saying that they can get past the Boston Celtics, who I think is a viable threat to them. I've never bought into Washington being a threat. Kelly Oubre is a fake tough guy. Otto Porter is maxed out as a max player. He's he's not a max player. He's not worth max money, but he's a max player. You have Bradley Beal and you have John Wall playing on that team together. But that backcourt has never impressed me as being enough to stop a LeBron James-led team. But I like what I see from the Boston Celtics. Oh gosh, I never thought that I'd say that. And James, if you're listening, your friend that loves the Celtics, I, I hate his face right now. Just tell him that I, I hate his soul. But yeah, the, the Celtics are a very well-coached team. They're a team that gets after it defensively. They're a team that's long. And they have some rising stars. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
That duo together, continuing to grow as the season goes on, with Kyrie Irving coming in as a closer, that's a dangerous team to be playing with. That's a dangerous team to be trifling with, thinking that you can just turn it on and turn it off whenever you feel like it. And I got to tell you something. If Boston winds up getting a top seed in the playoffs, it could be difficult for Cleveland as presently constituted. It can be difficult. Not saying that it won't be impossible because you have LeBron James, but it could be difficult to get past that team. That's what that blowout loss showed me. Cleveland. Just because LeBron feels like taking a night off doesn't mean that you get to take a night off. Now, I'm looking at the flip side, the other the other um, game that was on slate, and I'm looking at this uh, Los Angeles Lakers team that's playing without Lonzo Ball, and Kyle Kuzma actually had a, a few choice words to say about um, their efforts on the court. I want you to give a listen. Okay, so there you have it. I mean, you have them getting blown out for by close to 40 points. And it was interesting because the Los Angeles Lakers, they brought Paul George's parents up courtside, you know, gave them all of this top-tier level service. Um, and they got a chance to see their son up close and personal, uh, torch the Lakers. I wouldn't say torch him, but he, you know, he had a fairly, a uh, fairly good game. And Paul George has been having a fairly decent year, by Paul George standards, by All Star level standards. I say decent because twenty and five. You know, I realize that he's he was going to sacrifice some of his game playing with Russell Westbrook and playing with Carmelo Anthony, but 
you know, you can't really say that Paul George has been just lighting it on fire. He's had an okay start to the year. Hopefully things start to get rolling. They have the, the OKC has won, has gone on a, a, a winning streak. And they've gotten the record a couple of games over 500. So you're seeing this team starting to gel, seeing this team start to develop a little bit more chemistry on the field, on the court, I should say. But I'm looking at what LA has to offer and I'm thinking, is this the best you got? I mean, they keep talking about this strong nucleus that the Lakers have. What I see is a team that without Lonzo Ball, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not a Lonzo Ball fan, but without Lonzo Ball on that court guiding this team, uh, showing that unselfish uh, passing ability, showing that court vision, the, the team is pretty pedestrian. And I say that with people saying especially uh, people of, of Sports Illustrated saying that Brandon Ingram is going to be the next superstar. I, I don't see it. I don't see him being this transcendent talent. People keep making these comparisons to KD just because they're long, thin, and they're scorers. Well, KD was an amazing scorer. KD is an amazing scorer. KD was amazing coming into the league. I have yet to see Brandon Ingram make the, the big leap in his basketball ability his basketball IQ and as much as KD has. He still remains to be seen. I, people say that he's going to pop as a superstar. I don't see it yet. But if I'm Paul George and I'm going into that building and he did say, you know, it's always a special uh, time to be able to come into that building. It's a special place to, p- to play, seeing all of these jerseys retired, seeing uh, Kobe's jersey hanging up there, seeing Shaq's jersey hanging up there seeing the multiple championships, banners. It's always a special place. Plus, it's home for him. But if I'm Paul George, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have a chance to actually be competitive with Russ and Melo over here in OKC, or I could go to Los Angeles and try to work with a developing team. Who, who you got? And there's a lot there's been a lot of talk about whether or not Russell Westbrook, who currently plays with him by the way, who's on the same team with him by the way, who is very good friends with him by the way. There's this talk that Russell Westbrook needs to go out and start recruiting uh Paul George right now. Like he needs to make him feel loved. Now, <laughs> they're presently in a working relationship with each other. Russ has sacrificed his game in order to make Paul George more comfortable on the court and mellow, but Paul George in particular, because, you know, you look at that team, Russ is one and Paul George is one A. So Russ has sacrificed his game. He's changed up things on the court. And I'm thinking to myself, you really think that it's on him to go out and start recruiting Paul George? Why? So that Los Angeles doesn't steal him away because they have a team that might be competitive in three or four years. And I say might be because there is a possibility that they could get another superstar like LeBron James. But do you really think LeBron James is going to be leaving Cleveland to go to Los Angeles to play for the Los Angeles Lakers? Just because uh, um, Magic Johnson is so charismatic 
You really think that's a possibility? Here's what Russell Rushbook had to say on whether or not he should be making any sales pitches. I love Russell Westbrook's single-mindedness. He doesn't care. And he's, he's right. If they get close to winning a championship, which, you know, is a lot of basketball to be played, Houston has to prove that they can stay healthy because if, if Chris Paul isn't healthy on that team, Houston's not going to be doing anything. And actually, OKC has turned into one of the better defensive teams in the league. Surprisingly. Actually, I shouldn't be that surprised because Russ, when he, whenever he wants to play defense, can be a very good defender. Paul George has proven to be a lockdown defender when he's engaged. Melo, that's totally another story. They're just getting by on Melo. Melo's just a body. But they are one of the top defensive play, uh, teams in the league. But he's got a point. Our pitch is, let's win a championship. Let's get close to winning a championship at least. There is no, oh, well, we're going to uh, hope that you come back to us. No. You've got the, the possibility of playing for a championship and that $20 million player option that could be picked up. I think that's the best, uh, best chance that OKC has is of giving Paul George back. Even though I'm not a big Paul George fan. I'm not. It's on record saying I don't think that he's a difference maker that much. I think he, if he goes to OKC, yeah, well, yes, he's going to make them a little bit better than what they have been because, let's face it, OKC didn't have anybody that Russell Westbrook could rely on. I mean, what? They they tried to trade for Doug McDermott to get some extra scoring. Who trades for Doug McDermott for extra scoring? If you've noticed anything about Doug McDermott's career in the NBA so far. But yeah, I love Russell Westbrook's single-mindedness. But this is just show and tell. This is, this is. Hey, look at what I have. I have my stuff over here. Let's see what you got on the other side. And on the other side for Cleveland, and the other side for Los Angeles Lakers, doesn't look so good. The acts that you were following were much better acts than what you're presenting to us right now. Hopefully things get better for Los Angeles Lakers, especially with uh, Lonzo Ball coming back shortly if he, he ever gets uh, over this shoulder injury that he's currently dealing with. But yeah, I mean, this is just show and tell. And whatever Cleveland and whatever the Lakers have presented so far has been pretty lame. I want to switch gears. I want to get to uh, the big news that was coming out of the NCAA with Josh Rosen and Sam Donald saying that they are declaring for the NFL draft. I can't say that I'm surprised. Um, there was a lot of talk with uh, Josh. Well, with Josh Rosen's situation, you already know that Jim Mora Jr. is not coming back. So why deal with, um, uh, well, no, sorry, Rosen Excuse me, but yes, Josh Rosen, you know that he's not coming back for his senior year. No need for him to come back. You're going to have a totally different coach that's coming in. There's no, no, um, there, there is no reason to come back, play for a totally different head coach who may or may not be much better than Jim Mora. 
the talent level at UCLA was not very good. Oh, I, wait, what am I thinking about? I'm completely forgetting that that Skip Car- uh, or that Chip Kelly took over for UCLA. So, that, I mean, you could actually hit, come back and have inflated stats. I just thought about that. I, I, totally, I totally whiffed on Skip Kelly taking over for UCLA. Josh Rosen, what are you thinking? If I'm Josh Rosen, I think I would come back and play for Chip Kelly, get my stats up a little bit more, a little bit more inflated, make myself a little bit better. But no, there's no reason that Josh Rosen was coming back. The, the guy is, you know, a highly touted draft pick. More than likely, he's going to be the top draft or top quarterback that's taken. Darnold is going to be probably the second quarterback that's taken. So there's really nothing for them to come back for as far as their uh, where they're going to be taken in the draft. Now, if you wanted to say to Sam Darnold, I think you should stay in the draft because there's a lot of things that you need to work on, I think you'd be right. And the reason why I say that is because I'm not in love with either one of these quarterbacks. Personally, if I had a, tr- a chance, I'd take Baker Mayfield over both of those guys. And I don't like Baker Mayfield. The only thing that I like about Baker Mayfield is that he throws guys open, he makes plays with his feet, and the moment never seems too big for him. Oh, and by the way, the kid's gritty. You, Like I said in my last podcast, you can't walk on to Texas Tech. You can't walk on to Oklahoma, take the starting quarterback position, and not be a gritty kid, not be a tough kid, not be a kid that gets it. Even with the antics off the field, the grabbing of the crotch, all of this other ridiculous, you know, these ridiculous things that have, that has taken place throughout his college career. And I do think that he has a lot of growing up to, to do. I think he's less, less Johnny Manziel than what people give him credit for. But, yeah, I, I, I got to say, I, I would if I'm a GM, I'm taking Baker Mayfield ahead of all of these guys. Now, the real quarterback that I would zero in on, who if I was looking at somebody who had a tremendous amount of upside, somebody who was electric, explosive, somebody that I thought that could really lead an NFL team, who a lot of people aren't talking about and a lot of people are overlooking, happens to actually be a Heisman winner too, Lamar Jackson. And the thing that impresses me the most about Lamar Jackson is that Bobby Petrino, runs a very sophisticated offense. A very sophisticated offense. And back in October of last year, now granted, he started as a true freshman. But back in October of last year, when he was a sophomore, they said that he had full control over Bobby Petrino's offense. That's impressive to me. And the fact that If you look at his team this year, there isn't any NFL talent. There's maybe two players on that team that might be able to make it on an NFL team. But Lamar Jackson, I'm looking at Lamar Jackson ahead of Sam Darnold, and I'm looking at him ahead of Josh Rosen. Personally, I don't like the comments of Josh Rosen. I think that there's an arrogance about Josh Rosen. I think that, you know, a lot of coordinators... They have their egos that they deal with. Head coaches have their egos that they deal with. The ego with Josh Rosen, from what I'm hearing coming out of college, he doesn't work well with confrontation. And he has a bit of a party mentality uh, to his lifestyle uh, outside of the football field. 
So if I was really going to, like, let's say be the Browns, because I, I need to make some kind of splash. I need to make, I need to draft the quarterback because you don't know if Kaiser is your guy going forward, even though I like his talent. I like his intangibles, but he threw a lot of picks in college. He threw a lot of picks in the NFL. I don't, I don't know how you bridge those. I don't know how you fix those things. I don't know how you bridge the, the gap and, and find a middle ground. If you threw picks in college, I start you one year and you throw a lot of picks in your, your first, uh, your first uh, year of starting. I don't know how you fix that. Part of that goes to the play calling of Hugh Jackson. I think that they put him in some situations where he didn't need to be making a lot of throws that he needed that he was throwing. But I realized that they were playing from behind a lot. Part of that goes to play calling. But a big part of that just comes to Kaiser just make poor decisions. But Lamar Jackson is an explosive player. I mean, we think all of this, these accolades that we put on Baker Mayfield... All of um, these awards, all of, uh, you know, everybody's high on the fact of, of the touchdowns that he's thrown in the Oklahoma offense. I put Lamar Jackson in that same offense, and I think that Lamar Jackson shatters Baker Mayfield's records that he's had at Oklahoma. And I realize that Oklahoma, that it's hard to, not hard to put up offensive numbers at Oklahoma, you just look, Sam Bradford put up numbers, Jason White put up numbers, Baker Mayfield shattered those numbers when he got there. So obviously Oklahoma runs a very quarterback-friendly offense. All I'm saying is, you put a guy like Lamar Jackson on Oklahoma's team, you telling me that he doesn't have exactly the same success, if not better, than Baker Mayfield? Something to think about. Now, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I know that there's a lot of people who are saying, take these quarterbacks, take these quarterbacks. And then there are these people who are saying, well, it doesn't matter if they're not ready. No. You need to take the most explosive guy on the field that can make the NFL throws, that can put your team in a position to win. And there were lots of times on that field where I looked at Josh Rosen, looked at the tape, looked at the games that he played. That Texas A&M game that everybody's been talking about, that people go back to, he was terrible in those games. And a lot of those throws that he made were throws that would be pick sixes in the NFL. Sam Darnold, that many interceptions? And you're supposed to be a Heisman front runner. You're telling me that he doesn't need another year of seasoning? So yeah, any quarterback that I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about taking Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson to me, or Baker Mayfield. But that's why you pay these GMs the big bucks, right? Anyway, I was told that I wasn't being as exciting, or I guess... uh Maybe I came across as just a little bit too laid back on my podcast. I had someone who, um, you know, um, I, I recently uh, met on Twitter listening to the show. And I just wanted to get some feedback because it's a professional person who's in baseball. Ugh, baseball. I guess I can't hold that against her. 
But um, yeah, said that I should add some excitement. So I hope that this was a little bit more enthusiastic. I hope that my um, colorfulness came across a little bit more clear with this particular podcast. But I want to thank you guys for being in the rotation with me, continuing listening through SoundCloud, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher.com, thesportsrotation.squarespace.com, Google Play Music, and now iTunes. You can check me out through all of those different um, availabilities or media availabilities, I should say. Also, you can hit me up at Twitter at jbutler08099392. That's uh, at jbutler08099392. Again, thanks for being in the rotation. I'm out.